Hey, what's going on? It's John, and it's time for the J-Mark cast for Monday, May 30th. What's going on? How are ya? <laughs> Bit of a different podcast today. I'm going to be recording on my phone as I'm walking outside with my baby daughter. We just went to our neighborhood coffee place called Oakwood Espresso, best coffee in the neighborhood, and I got myself a double espresso and a croissant, a breakfast of champions as I like to call. I finished my breakfast of champions. Uh, Not proud of the fact that I have, as I was eating my croissant, I was spilling a bunch of little crumbs over my daughter's head because she's strapped to me in a carrier uh, on my chest. So, (laughs) But I did clear off most of the little crumbs off her head now, so... We will be walking back home. I'm potentially going to walk all the way up to the calisthenic park, calisthenics park because uh, my wife just did an overnight shift and is at home and went to sleep to get some rest. So be good of me to just give her some quiet time in the house to catch up with some rest. All right. So how you doing, friends and family? Thanks for checking in. As always, appreciate you listening in. Every week, week in, week out, even if you miss some weeks, that's fine too, obviously. And uh, you know what else I really appreciate is when you rate the podcast, whichever one, whichever way you choose to, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or even if you just go on the YouTube page and give it a like, give it a subscribe, give it all that good stuff. And the most important thing actually is to share with somebody as well. That's that I'd really appreciate it. That's the only way to make this grow is actually to get more people listening and obviously the most likely people to share it with other people are the people already already currently listening so if you're currently listening thank you so much and if you like what you're listening to share it with a friend share it with a loved one anyway let's move on let's keep it interesting let's see how has my week been how's your week been has it been good have you gone out walked around gotten in the sun gotten some vitamin d been active been grateful what have you been doing just sitting in there you're in in there in your cubicle just uh pretending like you're working is that what you're doing <laughs> that's what bill bill bird would say you'd be doing <laughs> i don't think that's what you're doing i think most people listening to this are probably i wonder when i wonder what's the most likely place people are listening to the podcast from is it the car or or walking in the gym in the cubicle i think it's the car or walking that's my my two top two guesses Anyways, let's do a quick um, Netflix uh, suggestion of the week, and this isn't for everybody, but uh, and it's I only suggest this because it's kind of related to a funny story with my about my kid, but uh, Peter Rabbit. Um, for anyone who has a kid, you probably got some Peter Rabbit books uh, lying around somewhere. You know about Peter Rabbit going in to steal vegetables from Mr. McGregor's garden pretty popular kids book and of course there's a movie uh and it's on netflix (laughs) and we turned it on for my kid to watch because he seems to like like the books and he he seems to like the movie quite a bit as well and when you're at this age with him like like once you like something you want to keep watching it over and over again and i guess who knows like they they probably don't process it all all at once so they need to keep rewatching it and get more and more into it and that's kind of what it seemed like with this kind of with this story that I have because he's already watched the movie a bunch of times and he really likes it so he asked to put it on and we're as we're watching it there's a point in which um there's a pig character it's not a 
major character or anything, but it's just a side character that does the same joke every time. It's like a pig joke, so whatever, there's food around, the pig just overeats, like, eats the whole thing and doesn't let anybody else have any more. So, <laughs> as the pig's doing that, my kid's watching the movie, and like, he goes, Hey, there's a talking pig in this movie. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, it's like, kid, you watch this like so many times, and all the all the animals are talking. Like, how to, like, why did you all of a sudden decide that the pig talking in the movie is the weird part? <laughs> Anyways, so that was funny. What else happened this week? I did jujitsu just once this week. Um, today's Sunday. I might go for a second day of jujitsu for the open mat. Actually, after. After uh, I'm done recording this, depending on whether or not uh, my wife wakes up with having rested enough, <laughs> we'll see. I guess it depends on a bunch of things. But the uh, first day of um, jujitsu was was good. What did I do? Actually, I don't know if it was that good because I I kind of had a really bad stiff neck this whole week. I woke up really with a really bad one on um, Friday, and then I was just like moving it around a lot, and just whatever I could. Like I, I mean, it was like painful to move it around, but I could kind of figure out what were the borders of like being able to move it with a, that I could do without incurring a lot of pain. So I was just kind of doing that as much as I could. That's really the best way to heal anything, actually, in my opinion. Um, this is a like a, <laughs> a thing that gets laughed at a lot, but you know, movement is medicine, and I think that's it's hard to refute that once once you actually start using it. But when I, whenever I have or I feel pain anywhere, I try to figure out what is the uh, the maximum amount of movement I can do without any pain in that region, and that seems to always like do well for me like I don't know I think it makes sense because when you move something you're you know uh, causing a lot of uh, um, like blood flow which which first of all like it blood comes in and brings in nutrients to help things um, uh, rebuild regrow repair right and then it also it doesn't come in it also goes out right like so so whatever waste products and things that are there that are causing the irritation to begin with they can get flushed out through movement as well so it's i don't know it's that's that's so that's what i did and felt fine on saturday yesterday was no 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 pain anymore but i think i slept awkwardly again overnight so now i have a little bit of it back again today so back to moving it again it's not as bad as on the first time i felt it so so i'm just doing what helped the first time around anyway and so if you have any issues with any pain on your body i think think about that as your first line of action right obviously i'm not saying it's the only thing you should be doing <laughs> that would be stupid right you have to <laughs> approach things through multiple angles right whenever you have an issue so you can't just try one solution on something and that's it there's somebody walking beside me with a double stroller so i just thought i'd let them pass by before i continue so anyway just like with any health problem in general it's good to take multiple approaches to solving that problem right you shouldn't just take like this singular approach of like oh i'm gonna take the uh 
natural way of like treating things like I'm gonna just like try herbal medicines like like that's dumb too like you have to take (laughs) into account everything like pharmaceuticals do work as well so you have to use those whatever's at your disposal maybe surgery maybe whatever can help any medical issue Uh, you can't just like I think that this was actually a story I I don't know how true this is but I've overheard about um, Steve Jobs right Uh, the Apple CEO or whatever he had pancreatic cancer and like apparently was some rare form that could have been treated because he caught it early enough but rather than going the pharmaceutical route he uh, did it all naturally apparently like just like working with a naturopath trying herbal medicines and of course like he ends up we all know what happens uh, but like why wouldn't you do both like as <laughs> or at least start with one and then you're monitoring and if you don't see anything changing you're like all right this isn't working we're gonna throw the kitchen sink at it we're gonna do everything we can like you have the money <laughs> like i don't know anyway moving on from that it's just a weird rant i guess there so on Thursday this week, I went to a meetup of, of some people. And what kind of people, Jmart? Who'd you go meet up with? I met up with some Bitcoiners, with some uh, Southern <laughs> Ontario or Greater Toronto Area Bitcoiners. Uh, there was a, a meetup event. I don't know if you guys heard of this website called Meetup. I think it's like meetup.com. Different communities can kind of use that to organize and you know, uh, start making meetups. So there was a group of people around here, around Toronto, who uh, uh, got together on Thursday. I went and checked it out. It was actually a lot of fun, a lot of normal people. Uh, It was mostly younger people, like I would say people in my uh, uh, age group category. Um, Like, uh, I I would say it was like, there was maybe one or two people who look like they might be over 40 everybody else was under 40 i would say um a lot of uh, diversity though like a lot of different kinds of people uh from different parts of the world some like uh normal canadians some like immigrants like from like like myself obviously i'm from armenia originally there's a romanian guy i met persian guy there's all sorts of all sorts of groups there was a higher concentration of men and women but there are a bunch of women as well so that was interesting and then yeah it was just a uh, really friendly people people with a lot of hope um a lot of people with with uh, who had just uh had new babies sorry i just had to pause there to cross the street anyways i kind of forget what i was talking about but i, was, I think i was just saying there's a lot of different kinds of people or so it's all sorts of people like and they're all fairly you know normal regular people it wasn't just like crazy like tech nerds or you know people who are just like in the fringes or anything like that it's just like all sorts of people and regular people and actually there's a common story among a lot of people where you know they they heard about this is a common story like that everyone kind of has they heard about bitcoin and they uh like didn't think much of it they thought oh it must be a ponzi scheme that's not real it's bs and then years later they hear about it again 
Uh, they look into it a little bit more, but still aren't convinced and forget about it. And then years later again, <laughs> they finally uh, are like, uh, I don't know, convinced by some, some like key moment in their life. But uh, it takes a few tries. So like that's going to happen with everybody, I feel like, because it's such a hard concept to understand. You just have to like look into history you have to then learn about cryptography you have to learn about like economics you have to learn about money so much too much all wrapped up together like you got to really spend hours and hours learning and studying all these things to finally get to a point where you're like okay this kind of makes sense and then even after that then you have to kind of try out the do using the technology and and the fear of getting into that can prevent people for a long time definitely prevented me like uh, my my story is very similar to what I just described where I first heard about Bitcoin in, I want to say 2012 um, when it was uh, used on Silk Road which was uh, like a dark web website that people could use to uh, you know buy things that were that were illegal to buy like yeah yeah drugs and stuff like that right but besides drugs there was like they were using it for other things as well and I was like oh I was checking out this website I was like I can't believe this is real and then I was like how are they paying for all this stuff and I found out okay they're using this thing called bitcoin and that's that's when I was like what is this thing like like how can they like use like how what is it worth and then I found out it was worth $12 for one bitcoin I was like oh but then I found out that it was the price was changing. I was like, okay, but then how the hell do they do this? Because if you buy something with Bitcoin and it's one price now, but then the price changes and then like, like, and then it's, and then, and then the price of what you were going to buy has to change as well. So then like, how do you deal with that? I just couldn't, it couldn't wrap my head around it. So I just like left it alone, forgot about it. Then later on, I heard about it on the Joe Rogan podcast when he had a guest named Andreas Anantonopoulos, a Greek dude that is um, very smart. He's like a, I guess, a computer scientist kind of person with a history in security, computer security. So he was able to really grasp some of the more technical concepts of why Bitcoin works and how it works very early on and as a person from Greece who had to deal with like the really terrible effects of the great financial crisis of 2008 he really understood the implications of money collapse and collapsing based on debt so uh, then through his talking of it like he really convinced me about like the implications of what this technology has to offer and like the actual underpinnings of it being legitimate and then I was kind of ready to dive head first at that point it was this was would have been in 2017 I want to say uh, but then this is when th something really crucial happened in the history of Bitcoin where it was called the fork wars and what happened was that people like the one thing that people say about Bitcoin is it's immutable. You can't change it, right? It, that's what makes it really attractive is because it, the rules are set and you can't change it. Then people want to play the game because they know that they're secure and things not changing. And that's kind of the, one of the reasons why it 
the regular financial system sucks now because you never know how much money is going to be injected into the system at every you know quarter, every month, whatever. And so, but what happened in 2017 was people actually tried to change Bitcoin like that. They put this like theory to a test. What what happens? Can you actually change Bitcoin? And so what they wanted to do is they wanted to change the block size of the blockchain to be double the size. And the reasoning behind this was that it could increase the number of transactions that Bitcoin could make. Uh, and that would make it better to scale and, uh, you know, make it more popular. But so there was this, uh, I guess, uh, battle, you could say, between the people who wanted to increase the block size, so they were called the big blockers, and the people who wanted to keep it the same, the small blockers. <laughs> the big blockers versus the small blockers. And the reasoning behind why the people wanted to keep it a small block is that by keeping it a small block, you're ensuring that the ability to run a node, which is the thing that verifies all the transactions and makes sure that makes sure that everything and everyone plays by the rules the ability to run that node is uh, is maintained if you keep the block size small however if you were to increase the block size to be double the size then the memory requirements over a period of time would increase very dramatically and our technological advancements would possibly not be able to keep up with the level of increase in memory required to store the whole blockchain. And then what that once that happens, then it'll be only a special like set of nodes or entities that would be able to run full nodes. And then that basically takes away the whole decentralization aspect of Bitcoin. We need to keep the fact that a regular person such as myself or yourself can run this computer that runs a, that acts as a node in a Bitcoin network and verifies every single transaction and make sure that the blockchain stays the same. If only a few number of people have the technical and financial capability of running such a node, then obviously then that kind of comes back to what we have now with the central bank system. And so we don't really want that. <laughs> so basically what happened in 2017 was there was this what's called a hard fork where the people who decided they were going to go ahead with the uh, increase in block size anyway, they created Bitcoin Cash. And then there was another hard fork following that called Bitcoin Satoshi's Vision, BSV. But both of these ended up basically failing because... The, tr the true value stayed with the original implementation of Bitcoin because that's what the users wanted. Um, but at the time when I was like, this wasn't very clear. <laughs> and as you're like first basically starting to grasp what the hell is going on, all of a sudden there's this attack on changing it. You're like, well, I can't I can't be a part of this. <laughs> so so I, I, I left. Not that I left, but I, I was like, all right, it's, maybe... I should wait a little longer and see what happens. Is it going to survive or not? <laughs> and so then, of course, in 2017, near the end of 2017, there was the end of that bull market where the price of Bitcoin went up all the way to 20000 And um, after that, it did the usual thing that, it, that happens where it collapses back down 
went back all the way down to I think the lowest point of 3,800 so 20,000 back down to 3,800 and then it slowly came back up to like 16,000 in 2019 and then collapsed back down again close to 10,000 but then in 2020 when the pandemic was clear and then in March where when the lockdowns happened there's a huge crisis right all the all the markets crashed bitcoin was the first one to crash it crashed i think from around 10 grand all the way down to 4 but then quickly went back up and ripped through everything all the way up to 65 <laughs> 65,000 Cra- crazy crazy that that all happened and then of course since then it did a 50% drawdown all the way down to 30 then went back up to 69,000 and now we've done a huge drawdown. I think it's gone all the way up to 20, down to 25, hovering around 29 or 30 right now. So that's a little bit of my history with like Bitcoin and like with the March 2020 crisis, I kind of was getting into learning about the economy, about finances, about money more and more. And when I saw that happen, I was like, okay, what is going on here? And that's when I got a lot more invested in learning about what Bitcoin is and how it works. And then after that, once you learn something about something, then you feel I felt more confident in financially investing in it. So that's my history. And but honestly, you, you get into Bitcoin for and this is something that the other people who I met with on Thursday, you get into it because of you think, oh, it's you're, you're investing in something, and then once you learn more and more about it, you, you realize that the price of it is the least interesting thing, and it's the other aspects and qualities of it that are the true things that make it valuable. And then you can't you can't really put a, put a price on that thing, and so you you get to the point where you realize, okay, I have conviction, and I I know that this will succeed because. It's better than the current system in every way. You just have to wait for everybody else to catch up to my level of understanding. And in the meantime, if the price is going down, that's great. It means I can buy more. <laughs> and so these people are, we had this, these hilarious conversations. This one girl was talking about, huh? <laughs> she's like, my real life friends are uh, making fun of me. Going like, so how's Bitcoin doing? You still think you should have, uh, you should have, um, what is it, recommended it, it, recommended it to me and things like that. It's like, it's pretty funny. I mean, yes, the uh, price is significantly down from the all-time highs, but even if you look just like two years back, it's uh, still up, like significantly. Let me, let me pause and, and check that real quick. Okay, I just checked, and if you look at the price of Bitcoin on June uh, 2020, two years ago, it was under 10000 So the price today is uh, three times that, near 30000 So that's actually a 200% gain. Um, so, you know, <laughs> just it's a long-term kind of thing to think about. It's not going to make you money. Uh, you know, tomorrow or the day after or anything like that. It could take as long as five years or ten years, but it's going to be worth it. <laughs> That's all I can say. Um, 
yeah, it was just really nice to meet all these people. Uh, I think we're going to try to do a monthly, once a month meetup. If anyone's interested in the southern Ontario region and wants to go, hit me up. I'll uh, invite you. We can go together. Okay, the final thing about Bitcoin that I'm going to talk about today is a follow-up on what I talked about two episodes ago. So if you go back two episodes on the JMart cast, I have an episode titled, What is Bitcoin? It's got a couple of other parts to the headline, but it starts with, uh, What is Bitcoin? Um, if you've checked that one out, great. Awesome, thank you. If not, please go back and re-listen to it. I think I try my best to explain everything and all the technical details of it and how like it kind of Bitcoin works under the hood in as layman terms as possible. And then I actually got a friend of mine to listen to it and tell me kind of some of the, give me some feedback about, uh, about like uh, some of the explanation and uh, if like things made sense or not. And his feedback was mostly good. He said, um, let's see. He said, finally got to the podcast today. Overall, the concepts were fairly clear. The technical aspects of the keys may need a second listen on my part. All right. So with Bitcoin, there's certain keys to using Bitcoin, private and public keys. So um, I'll maybe expand on that a little bit more in this episode. And then he also says that the target made sense, but sounded a bit arbitrary. So the target he's talking about is the difficulty target of the miners when they hash uh, transactions. I'll explain that a little bit more as well. And then he goes on to say, uh, overall the concepts came across well, and he says, I think you did a great job with the Lightning Network. The example of a bar tab was a good one. All right, thanks, buddy, for that feedback. really appreciate it. Um, so if, hopefully that convinces you to go back and to re-listen to that episode. Uh, and uh, hopefully you will do that. But if not, here's a quick uh, summary of what Bitcoin is. So Bitcoin is a database of people's transactions. So it just lists all the transactions that have ever happened between all the people on the network. So let's say Alice has given 50 Bitcoin to Bob. Bob has given 25 Bitcoin to uh, Claire, so on and so forth. All of those would be recorded on the blockchain. And so what's interesting is that the blockchain doesn't exist in one single place that everybody uh, like copies from, let's say. It's actually just whatever computer joins the Bitcoin network makes a copy that is the same as everybody else's on its own like memory and then keeps adding new blocks and verifying them on its own as they come from that point on. And so every computer on the network, or they're called nodes, every node on the network is of the same hierarchy as every other node. So it's a flat hierarchy. It's not a top-down. There's no one node on the network that's more powerful than any other node. They're all of the same kind of power, if you could say. <laughs> but there are some special nodes, which are called minor nodes. And so what these minor nodes do is, before I talk about that, actually, the nodes themselves, any node, will pass uh, new transactions that come in. So... Okay, let me take another step back. 
So if you want to write a transaction, let's say you have some 50 Bitcoin, you want to give somebody your 50 Bitcoin, then you write the transaction down and you send it from your node to other nodes. And these other nodes receive that transaction, they validate that everything's correct, and then they send it to other nodes and it just keeps propagating until it reaches a minor node. What a minor node does is it accumulates all the new transactions and puts it into a new block that's going to be added to the blockchain. But before it can add that block to the blockchain, it has to do what's called proof of, proof of work. It has to do a hashing function. What a hashing function is, is it takes all these transactions and it scrambles it around through a mathematical function and spits out a number. And the way this hashing works is it's always, whatever you hash will always give the same hashing number, but you can't know what the hash number is gonna be until after you do the actual hash. So then what happens is that the miner does a hash of all the transactions and gets a number. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that miner has the right to add those transactions to the blockchain. There's actually many different miners who are receiving all the same transactions and they're all competing to be the one who gets to add the transactions to the blockchain, to add that new block to the blockchain. And so as a way of choosing who gets to be the one that adds the new block, we have a difficulty target. This is what I was mentioning before. And the target number is basically a number that makes it so that on average every 10 minutes, a new miner gets to add a new block to the blockchain. And the number gets smaller and smaller and smaller over time because more and more and more miners get added to the network. This part is a little bit confusing, but basically as more people get added to the network, there's more processing power, right? There's more computers that can do this hashing and getting random numbers um, and then comparing it to the difficulty target. And the smaller it is, the more likely, the less likely it is that uh, people will get that hash to be smaller than the target number and be the ones to... Um, to add the new block to the blockchain. Man, that's so hard to like explain. <laughs> I wish there was somebody who was like speaking to me who could like ask uh, questions with regards to what I'm saying of what's like confusing and what's not making sense. If like someone's listening to this right now and can, can do that, can uh, just send some questions my way, that would be really helpful. But I just want to take it to a thread from Harman uh, on Twitter again, who's just had so many, so many good Twitter threads about Bitcoin that I keep sharing them every week, but they're so good. I, I really recommend you check it out. So here's the most recent one that I thought was awesome. Actually, you know what? I have just reached the calisthenics park and it's a really nice day, nice and sunny. And I already talked for over 30 minutes, so I think I'm going to end the episode here and just do a little bit of a light workout, and uh, I'll try to see if I can do a better job summarizing this Twitter thread for next week's episode.
All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I love you all. As I always say, thank you for listening to the very end. Uh, If you did and you're hearing this now, please let me know next time you speak to me or interact with me, whether in person or online. And I will uh, do my best to acknowledge that and tell you how much I appreciate it. If it's in person, give you a hug and a kiss. You guys are the best. As I always say, stay active, be grateful. Jmart out.